Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Academics and Amigos. I am Anthony Ramirez, your host. I'm sorry for the long break that I took, but uh, I've been working a lot on different projects and I'm happy to announce that I passed my comprehensive exam, so woo! But now we're back with some more episodes and I'm back with my friend Manny Martinez and we're going to be talking about mental health amongst other subject matters. So let's get to the episode. What's up everyone? After a long break and a little mini hiatus from Academics and Amigos, we're back. I'm back. I'm, I'm here with one of my uh, closest friends and my, one of my best friends and a person I consider a brother. Um, we met in uh, our art school, my art school days and our art school days at the University of Texas at El Paso. Uh, my friend Manny Martinez. Right now, he is the facility coordinator and training instructor at the University Medical Center here in El Paso, Texas. And he's also a business owner, uh, business owner, <laughs> excuse me, a business owner for a CPR certification uh, um, business. And he is known as the CPR guy or that CPR guy. And also he's a content creator. And I, that's something I definitely want to uh, touch upon a little bit later. Uh, Manny, how's it going, man? Uh, it's going, buddy. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm surviving, dude. And we're surviving and thriving. Yeah. You know, it's, we're still under pandemic um yeah unfortunately yes yeah but i'm happy to be with my family now you know i'm I'm happy about that i i I, um drove back down to el paso from college station so i'm happy about that i'm glad man it's good to see you good to see you it's been too long the screen i know it's been too long man i miss you always i miss our days of shenanigans uh days of going to the comic book store just generally hanging out with you dude i miss you boo boo me too. Me too. I remember there was a time that we would like hang out at least once a week. Like we would go eat somewhere or meet up or just do something like we would meet up at least once a week just to like hang out or go eat. And usually it would be pizza. Yeah, that's my bad. It's cool. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. Like nothing wrong with pizza. I love pizza. <laughs> it's all about that triple P, baby. Peter Piper pizza. Oh, Peter's is the bomb. For, mm. for our listeners who don't know about Peter Piper... Um, if you're in El Paso, I don't know if it's a Texas thing or not, but, um, Peter Piper's is delicious. It's absolutely wonderful guys. Uh, go ahead and just go ahead. And this is a, you know, a horrible plug in right here, but the New York three cheese pizza had a little bit of extra pepperoni on the side, uh, ordered extra large and bring it to a crisp and you will not be disappointed. And then a little bit of that seasoning too, right? Sprinkle that on top. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, Peter Piper's is the best, like no joke. <laughs> um, people always talk about Chico's being the El Paso thing, but I think for me, Peter's is like one of those. Oh, yeah, it's definitely in the top five. Peter's and Chico's definitely compete for the top one. Obviously, I mean, like you got that, uh, what's that other famous restaurant? I mean, I, L&J's? There's L&J's and then I also know Carlos and Mickey's, but I always tell people don't go to Carlos and Mickey's. Yeah, same. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's too commercialized and too whitewashed. It's just a, I mean, those margaritas are awesome. I mean, you, yeah, if they're into that, I think that's perfect. Diabetic filled, but you know, that's, that's, it's good too. <laughs> I mean, you know, mm-hmm. um, and Chico's is a whole different story in itself too. So well, yeah, drinking tacos, you never thought you'd get <laughs> that age. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always love when my students ask me about Chico's once they find out that I'm from El Paso. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I go, let me just show you what it is. You make mm-hmm. your judgment for yourself. They really ask you, huh? They really do. They really do. Wow. Like I would, you know, um, and it's, you know, I don't know, it's tripped out. And, um, 
yeah, it's it's interesting how Chico's has its own little legacy. It does, man. It's been on comedy specials. It's been on the Food Network. It's been criticized by YouTubers. I mean, damn. <laughs> it really is, it tripped out. Um, and uh, yeah, so we can we can actually do a whole conversation on food. Like you and I can do. We can honestly talk about anything. We really yeah. can. So this, that's a fun thing about having a podcast. We can. You and I can really talk about anything, and um, but I really am interested in finding out about your profession. That's okay. one thing that I'm interested in. And we can also talk about comics and our other cool geeky stuff that we always talk about and nerd out on. But, Absolutely. Um, but like, like I mentioned earlier in our conversation, we were talking about our early days when we first met each other. I remember the first time I met you. You're, you're this tall dude with a beard and always mm-hmm. – you were dressed in black all the time. And I remember – um, the person that introduced me to you was Brian Beasley. Oh yeah, right? and Brian and I met Brian through my classes as well. And I was, and I was first intimidated by you, dude. And I was like, oh my gosh, this dude! Oh, you know, I was just like, <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like you can't judge a book by its cover. Because when I finally met you, you have this soft voice. You're just a teddy bear, dude. Thank you, thank you for telling everyone. My uh, secrets. secrets out. Sorry, secrets out. <laughs> Um, and I get it. I mean, I was always, yes, I was always dressed in black. I was definitely the uh, rock slash goth type was the weird tall kid. It doesn't help that, you know, I'm six foot five in a city where, you know, everyone's about an average about five, six. So I'm like the complete opposite of that. I do look like a giant monster. And uh, yeah, you know what? I accept that. People hold their purses when I am in elevators with them. So sometimes I do make it awkward. Like, you know, I'll turn and I'll face them. If there's music in the elevator, I'll sing it or I'll tell them it's our song now just to kind of help. It, it does the opposite. Sometimes they run out, but, you know, it's just for fun. It's like Elton John. Like, you can tell everybody this is our song. Exactly. Oh, that's awesome. You and I have had like many moments like that too, where we're like in a store or something like that. And then mm-hmm. you, you, you like to make it awkward for, <laughs> for me. And like, and, you Sorry. know, that's a whole story in itself too. But anyways, <laughs> going back to the original, um, uh, kind of like prelude to, to, um, the, the question is that we both met in our art classes with, uh, professor Terry Bauer. And that's where okay. we met Carlos who was also a former guest of mine here. Mm-hmm. Um, Jaime Aranda, another former guest of mine here, oh, Ivan man. Ortega, Michael Cortez and all these other guys from there. Wow. Um, so, um, you know, we met all these dudes there and, um, and, uh, in the art school program there at UTEP and, uh, we became good friends after that. We became really cool friends and we both graduated with, uh, with, uh, art mm-hmm. degrees and BFAs. And you also got a, um, was it a two degree type of situation? You got also a communication degree, correct? Yeah, uh, yes. Yes, I did. That's awesome. So with that communication degree, you've also done like video content. Like I remember one of the final projects that you did was, uh, animated short with like these like puppet characters that buttons. Yes. I thought that was one of the coolest projects ever. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Like, it, it gave me so much of a respect for uh, people who do that kind of animation because, you know, drawing one sequence after the next sequence. And, like, I actually, like, looked at some of the ways that how they did it with uh, with the Disney uh, mm-hmm. uh, creations where they'd have a set background where it would actually move just a fraction of a set, a fraction of an inch, and then put a different still over the top. So it was actually on a clear um 
wax paper, not wax paper, but like a clear sheet, laminate paper, I guess you can call it. And uh, they would actually draw Mickey's sequence of moving. So it would actually kind of give a double illusion that it's moving throughout the background. Mm -hmm. And uh, I kind of mimicked it to some degree by using um, stencil paper. Yeah, it's stencil paper. Yeah, yeah. Like that um, just, paper, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My tracing paper. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd have a background in the background while I'm actually just kind of moving situations in the front. And it was fun to kind of play with that. And I didn't have an exact, like, precise process. I mean, I experimented a lot throughout it. I'm just kind of glad that I was able to finish it in time. I mean, since we were so great at finishing and never procrastinating ever. And and uh, Professor Bauer would always get on her case. We're always talking a lot and um, go a little bit. Yeah, yeah. She would, <laughs> she would definitely get on her case for that. I think that's the communication side of us. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I was I was always picking on you. I'm sorry, buddy. I always made things awkward. I, you know. For anyone that didn't know this, um, Anthony would sit in front of me sometimes or to the side of me. So I'd purposely walk past him. I would like rub his arm or like touch his pencils and stuff <laughs> just to kind of make it weird and such. You know, obviously like, not to do anything, but it was just like, it was funny. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're close buddies. And that's how I show my appreciation for the ones that I care about. I make the situation awkward. And then, of course, I show my affection by, you know, tapping your shoulder. Maybe yeah, kissing the shoulder too. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I'm a weird guy. Sorry. It's all love. It's all love, you know. Um, it's all good. Um, but what's interesting is that from our degrees, that we, we both took these classes together and everything, but yet we we went totally different routes <laughs> in our in our professional mm-hmm. lives, you know. Uh, as everyone knows here, that I I went and and went for a communication degree, got my master's, and now I'm going for my PhD, mm-hmm. and then and then now you're in more of a medical type of field. Yes. Um, how did that happen? How did, how did that come about? Um, I started off as a part-time job in 2014. Um, I've always been able to handle situations where it requires a little bit more of a finesse. It requires you to be able to talk and communicate well with people. Like uh, my experiences has done everything. Like for, at first it used to just be grunt work. I mean, I'm a big guy. I can lift heavy things. So I always used to be a loader at a movers company. I always used to do yard work and such. I mean, worked at Peter Piper, huh? <laughs> even, but uh, it started early on when I started doing more communicative roles. Uh, I was a, I was a tutor for about a year at uh, Austin High School, one of the local high schools. I actually moved over to working for Homeland Security, actually for three years as a TSA agent. And there, that definitely taught me patience. While I was doing that, I was actually working uh, two jobs while in college. I was actually working as a security guard bouncer at night. And, you know, you tend to deal with some difficult people from time to time. And then it just kind of like jumped into my lap. Uh, I kind of wanted to get a profession that would actually allow me to get benefits or maybe even move up, maybe build up on my career. Cause you know, bouncing, yeah, it definitely builds life experience, but not so much work experience. Okay. I mean, I can't put that on my resume constantly. Like, what do you do? I pick people up and I put them down outside. That's what I do. That's my job. Okay. But I decided to go for psych, uh, mental health, mental illness. And apparently I do really well in it. Um, it was definitely interesting going into that environment first, uh, for the first time, um, because, well, you're 
pretty much dealing with people who are at their most vulnerable state. Um, people who are in these facilities, I mean, like they've come to seek help or, you know what, they've been forced to go get help because they've been deemed a you know, danger to themselves or others. And uh, you're going to see everything that a human being can possibly do to themselves or to others. And it's quite a shock at first, but, you know, after being there since 2014, I mean, I can probably tell you right now that if anything were to happen in front of me, I probably wouldn't react with an, oh my goodness, what's going on? It'd be like, huh, okay. And then I would try to bring down the situation. (laughs) Yeah, that's understandable. I mean, you've been Mm -hmm. trained to do that now and all these years of doing that, you've just kind of become, I guess, kind of immune to it in a way. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I can't say desensitized because I mean, like, yeah, I still care. I still worry. Uh, I've seen some horrible things. I've heard some horrible stories. These patients have told me I've looked at their files before in the past and it's, it's quite heartbreaking to see the things that they've gone through. But at the same time, I need to be able to maintain my professional uh, aspect of things. I need to know that I'm there to help out. I cannot get emotionally involved because once you get emotionally involved, I mean, like you t- tend to jeopardize you know, your ability to do your job correctly. I started off working off the weekends at nights. Those were 12 hour shifts working in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was interesting working in the middle of the night at a night facility because uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'll say this. Uh, I know most people tend to get their information off movies when it comes to mental illness. So, you know, once right off the top of that, the, the, the newest one was Joker. Uh, the ones before that, I mean, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Girl Interrupted, Shutter Island. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're all, you know, deemed in some light. And that light is specifically negative. Mm-hmm. It's always this crazy person, this a person who does this and does that, who hurts people constantly. Now, I'll tell you this right now in terms of the movie aspect, it's only about 70% true. Mm-hmm. And then pe- that's where people actually kind of look at me and go like, wait, for real? It's like it, it's happened like that? Like, yeah, not all of it, but it's definitely happened to some degree. Now, has has someone, you know, climbed up the wall and their head turned 90 degrees? Not 90 degrees, but they have climbed up the wall. He was trying to escape out through the ceiling. He made it to the elevator. Wow. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, that's impressive. I mean, we got to give this person some props for that. At least, you know, it's like, wow. There are zero limitations when it comes to working with, with uh, the clientele that I have. I, I couldn't imagine. I mean, um, I remember like when you first started, some of the stuff that you were telling me, I was just like, whoa, I remember that. And I can only imagine the stuff that you've seen and you've gone through throughout the years I've worked there. And so, I mean, I think it's really interesting that you brought up some of these media representations too of uh, mental health. And um, I remember even you mentioned that you even had like a savant type of person there too. Um, and and so I think that's, those are some of the other forms of representation that we see in mental health too. Like the Rain Man type of person where they're people who are autistic, but they're very intelligent too. So have you seen anything like that, like in your, if you can even talk about that at all too, because I know that there might be some confidentiality clauses that you might um, have to. Oh, absolutely. I can definitely talk about my experiences. I mean, I cannot give you any names, but I can definitely tell you what I've seen and what I've heard. Uh, As far as people, I mean, like I've come across some highly intelligent people. I mean, like uh, I did know somebody who at some point was uh, a valedictorian at at a university. Unfortunately, the mental illness set in. It's non-discriminatory i mean this can happen at any point in time i mean like maybe a week from now let's say i just start decompensating 
And, you know, something just, you know, a form a chemical imbalance in the brain just happened to occur at the age of 34 or something like that. And you know what? That's the end of me. Um, I've seen some people have come in. I mean, no one needs to be extremely severe. It's just whoever needs the help. Some people are, you know, severely depressed. Uh, let's say they're dealing with uh, loss of life, uh, loss of a loved one. Some people do become manic. Uh, this is definitely the place to look up disorders. Um, whenever I have new med students or even new employees, because that's what I—that's what my job entails. It's uh, teaching new employees, getting them through their orientation, and then of course keeping people refreshed on what they've learned throughout the years and what they can and cannot do in terms of uh, helping patients. Um, I've seen some great minds go in there. I mean, I had a guy who, you know, he used to just have us just, uh, walk around with a Rubik's cube. He'd hand it to a, a random person and he'd go like, mess it up as best you can. Mm-hmm. Okay. I messed it up. I'd hand it over to him within a few seconds. He'd already fixed it. Wow. And it was just like, he just had it just down. Uh, amazingly. Um, other patients that, you know, would only talk in certain ways, uh, not necessarily savant, but I mean, like, it's the way that you adjust to them. I had a patient that would only talk in references to urban comedies. That was an interesting situation. Mm-hmm. I'm just glad that I uh, knew enough of my comedies to actually help uh, deal with that. I had some other people that, you know, um, would, uh, I don't know, let's say, um, would choose not to speak. Mm-hmm. So I'd have to find a different way to communicate with them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had some people that have definitely hit the, uh, well, well, we're trying to be, I guess, savant-ish, but um, just came up just trying to pull my leg. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've only ever had one Hannibal-esque. Oh, wow. Person. Okay. Yeah, that was, that was interesting. But, oh, he could play me like, he could read me like a book. I mean, I was very, very new to the situation. And, uh he would uh, tell me some pretty, pretty disturbing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he would mention the most cliche of things. I, I found out later on that I, well, I don't, be- I didn't believe it. But then again, like it was quite convincing, uh, especially with the details in reference to, let's say, like animal manipulation and, wow. well, mutilation, I mean. Wow. Uh, he'd always reference a shed or something like that. I'm just like, oh, man, this sounds really, really familiar, but I can't quite put my finger on it. Um, Oh, it just got dark really quick. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. So, um, I mean, it's okay. It's okay. I promise the conversation will be a little bit lighter uh, as the conversation goes on. Um, well, what I'm wondering now, Manny, is like with all your work with mental health and with the patients that you've seen, what are some ways that people can destigmatize it, especially within the media? What do you think are some ways people can destigmatize? these representations of mental health and also kind of what are some ways that people can deal with mental health better, especially in the situation that we're in right now. Like mental health is a huge issue during the pandemic. It's, it's really hit a lot of people. I know like personally, I've felt like depressed and anxiety during some, some of these times, you know, and um, you know, it's tough for a lot of people right now. I've even had some of my students tell me that they've gone through some, issues themselves you know Mm -hmm. so i mean what are some recommendations that you that you have and like i said what are some ways to destigmatize these um ways of mental health okay that's a really good question well there's two terms that come to mind um obviously the first term is going to be normalized Mm -hmm. but the second term is going to be 
glorification. Mm-hmm. There is a mix-up going around currently. Um, this country is not great mm-hmm. at understanding mental illness. I'll be the first one to say it, and I know that I'm not the only one that thinks of it. Right. When we look at mental illness, I mean, like, what happens when we discuss mental illness? If it's a conversation between yourself and I, if we were to be discussing it, many times, as soon as we start getting to some more detailed situations, like let's say we're going to talk about, let's say we'll call someone Debbie. All right. Did you hear about Debbie? Like she got, she got admitted the other day, mm-hmm. but I lean in and I whisper it as if it's something horrible to be speak of that it should be shadowed. It should be covered up or something like that. As opposed to just me saying like, you know what? She went to go get some help. She's at the local facility, but she seems to be doing a lot better. Yeah. We got to change the way that we're approaching it. And unfortunately, like, you know, the damage has been done throughout the years here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the words asylum, the works, the words psych word. I mean, those all come to mind. And as soon as you say those words, you're like, oh my god, like you know, because it's scary, because it's different. I mean, we're so xenophobic to this. It's, right. it's just straight up um, a mystery to most people. And as I said before, most of our information comes from the news, the media, uh, music videos, um, motion pictures and such like that. And again, always deemed in a negative lighting, at least to most of the situations that I've seen it. If you see it in the news media, okay. Um, let's say the closest thing that actually hit home, August 3rd, 2019, uh, the situation with the person who drove over here and killed 23 people that day. Um, there was arguments, you know what, um, that, you know, it wasn't a hateful act as much as it was a person who was mentally unstable. And unfortunately, whether it is a situation or not, the media will always, always chime in on that. Mm -hmm. Something could have happened on the East coast and absolutely nothing uh, could be heard about it. But if it's a fact in that background of that person, it may be brought up. So in this case, maybe this person got admitted at the age of 10 to a facility to go get some help, maybe for some behavioral issues. And maybe it wasn't a factor factor now, but because it was a fact in the past, they can display and talk about that. Mm-hmm. And no matter what, it's always going to be something. This person once had a, a history of mental illness at the age of eight or something like that. I'm just like, okay, what does that have to do with it now? So the problem with it is, I mean, like, we're not normalizing it. Um we're not discussing it as a normal, you know, table sit down. Um, it's still very much taboo topic. Um, we don't want to hide it. We don't want to speak about it. And if we do, it's weakness. It's, you know, and it's going to be different. I mean, like, okay, we're in the Southwest region. We're we're highly, highly, like, you know, a Hispanic uh, environment around here. Showing any sign of weakness, including mental illness and emotions, you know, it's not revered here it's absolutely shunned to actually express yourself and actually say hey i need help if you need help you are weak and you are not man enough to carry yourself as far as the other portion of it the way to kind of help bring up mental illness and make it better is stop glorifying it mm-hmm. what i mean by this and i know this is going to probably get some people uh, very offended about this what i mean by glorification is people taking it and turning it into a fad right i see it constantly where, you know, I'm seeing a lot more memes where people are throwing in words like serotonin and bringing up all these kinds of medications and such like that. But unfortunately, I think a lot of people are clueless when it actually, what it actually is. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. And I'll tell you this right now. I will never forget my first interaction with somebody who was very, very sick. Mm-hmm. Um, person was hypermanic. And uh, in my facility, uh, which is the old, well, the El Paso Psychiatric Center um, in El Paso, Texas, 
um, it's you're, you're going to see patients hurting themselves, hurting others. And uh, it's, it's grave. It's sickening sometimes actually seeing what people are capable of doing to themselves and to others. Mm-hmm. But I have to be able to hold and compose myself to do so. And what I mean by glorification is, you know, I'll see people kind of smiling and, you know, it's great to accept the fact that you have mental illness, but to make it a fad, to just do it for the sake of social media numbers, for doing it for likes, mm-hmm. I, I just cannot condone that. I agree. There are too many people that are sick who actually really need some help. And unfortunately, some of the platforms use it for popularity count as opposed to what it really needs to be a platform. And I think we just need to find the right balance in between it. Normalize, but don't glorify. Right. That, no, that's wonderful advice. I, I think that's really, you know, speak, like you're speaking from a person who sees it every day. And, and so, I mean, you understand that on a deeper level, you know, and I think that that's wonderful advice, just normalize and not glorify it. And also like you, you hit on it a little bit earlier too, about how within our culture, the Latinx culture, Hispanic culture, it's mm-hmm. very deeply rooted, the whole machismo aspect. Like we got to man up. We can't show sadness. We can't show that we're, we're feeling bad or like emotions like that. We have to always be like, Ah, macho and you know um strong and you know like we can't say like we're depressed or we're feeling sad or we're dealing with issues you know Mm -hmm. i mean that's another thing that we need to change too within our culture you know that that we need to discuss more and to be more open about you know um and it's it's tough you know because it's so deeply rooted within our culture it's it's something that needs to come from not just like media representation, but also just a change of values, I guess. It starts with the latest generation. Mm -hmm. How are we going to handle it? How are we going to be doing it? And yes, there will always be some backlash to it. It's like, Oh, that just means you just want to end masculinity. No, it's not the ending of masculinity. It's evolving. It is growing with the times. It is becoming more knowledgeable. I mean, we're doomed to repeat history if we do not change for the better. Right. I mean, well, the worst things you can do is just keep looking back at history. I mean, the definition of insanity is repeating the same thing and expecting different results as per Einstein. Okay. Um, there was a tagline that actually came out for a while and I was actually very much behind it. I believe it was called cancel machismo. Uh, and it was, it was actually cool. It was very, very nice to see that, you know, we're aware that, you know what, machismo can be toxic. Mm. Definitely, definitely can. Oh boy, I'm using words like toxic now. I definitely grow up. <laughs> no, it's a whole thing. Like toxic masculinity is a whole thing, you know. And um, that's definitely rooted within within the culture, you know. Unfortunately, it's one of the negative aspects of it, you know. Because um, there are some positive things about machismo, like chivalry, and you know, being courteous and being cool and you know, all that, but there's also all this, like, like you said, the toxic aspect of it. And Mm -hmm. a lot of it, it can be associated, like what you said, with what you said, um, mental health. And it's just, um, it's tough, you know, because I'm lucky to say that I had a supportive grandfather and supportive uncles and stuff like that, too, that were like, hey, it's okay to show your emotions. It's okay. You know, Mm -hmm. even though my grandpa was a little bit more old school, he still was 
approachable in that sense of like, Hey, it's okay. If you need to let your emotions out, you're, it's cool. You know, and my mom was super supportive about it. My aunt, well, we, you know, we encourage that with my cousin too. Or like, Hey, it's okay to let your emotions out. It's okay to feel sad sometimes. It's okay to not feel okay. And um, as an instructor now and dealing with students who tell me that they deal with all these different issues, I encourage that as well. I'm like, Hey, this is an open space for you all to talk in, in our class. We're not going to judge each other. We're all, we're all in this together. So how can we talk in a way that is open and and just cool with each other, you know? There's no judgment here. And then so someone will come to me and tell me, like, man, I'm dealing with this right now. Just this pandemic really has me, you know, going through some stuff. Mm-hmm. And I have other friends who are dealing with that, too. And it's, it's just heavy, you know? It's like, how do we deal with it? Especially when we have to be locked in in order to stay safe, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, what have you seen? How much of an impact has the pandemic really affected um, your area of work? Because um, we, well, obviously, like, it's hard to interrupt real quick. Because in El Paso, the numbers of corona is huge. Like, we're the epicenter of the United States right now. Um, and that's a, that's a sad part about it, you know, but I'm, I'm like curious, like how has it affected like mentally, like mental health wise? Well, it's funny that you say that we were the first outbreak. My facility was the first outbreak in El Paso. Mm-hmm. We had 40 plus cases in the facility alone. It wasn't patients it was or staff members, unfortunately. I remember it clearly because it was in March where it happened. And I run training departments, and by training department, it means that I have to get people ready to what they're going to see and what they're going to handle upstairs. That also includes learning how to physically protect yourself and keep the patients safe from Mm self-harm. So I have to show them how to hold and how to do it safely in the event that a person, let's say, starts engaging themselves. Because again, remember, these patients who I'm working with are in full crisis, they do not understand that they're hurting themselves and they're hurting others. So I have to be able to hold them as safely as possible. So that means I'm not abiding by the six foot rule. That means that I have to hold, I'm going to be sweating. I'm going to be holding. I have to train you correctly. I'm not going to send you upstairs and not know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I canceled a lot of my physical classes as far as refreshers goes. Cause I used to, I do uh, yearly refreshers for like CPR and um, tips, that's another thing that I do. It's a treatment intervention prevention strategy. So it's basically a neutralization of a, of a possible confrontational mm-hmm. uh, scene. Um, and like I said, um, they have to do it yearly and uh, yearly. And new employees have to go through the whole thing. They have to go through a ringer. They have to spend three weeks with me in a training room and I take them, I, th- I show them the ropes. And I'm pretty sure, you know, like, you know what, they're sick of me. I, I always tell them, like, you know what, I apologize at the beginning, but I'm not apologizing for this. You're going to hate me by the end of this, but you're also going to be thankful. Okay? Yeah. So don't worry about it. And, you know, you brought up that, you know, I'm a big brown man. So I know sometimes I can come off as a little intimidating. However, I have to play the part. So sometimes I actually have to play a patient. And I tend to reenact some of my favorite moments from back in the day when I was still on the floor as a, as a PNA, as a psychiatric nursing assistant. So I get to act out. And I mean, not to toot my own horn, but I think I act pretty well. I think, I think I do pretty you well. You deserve an Oscar. I, I've seen your acting skills. Thank you, buddy. No, but yeah, uh, as far as it affecting the facility, I mean, like, 
I had to I had to keep hiring because right. people were quarantined, people were sick, and the the first time that it affected my my hospital in general was I, I lost a coworker mm-hmm. just a month later. Uh, he was fine, he was sick, he was in the hospital. They had just spoken to him the day before, and then from one day to the next, he he passed away. He coded, and they they couldn't bring him back. Wow. I had some other patients, some other coworkers that unfortunately were in the hospital for, and actually she came out on the news and another coworker came out on the news. They were in the hospital for 60 plus days. They were both intubated for two weeks straight. One of them missed his birthday while in the coma. And uh, they were about to pull the plug on them. And somehow they came back. But when they came back, they had to learn how to walk again. They had lost pounds of muscle. Um, one of them was never able to return. I have another one who didn't return and he's doing so much better. I was so worried about him. I, I, and I'm sorry about that, man. Like, I'm sorry to hear about mm-hmm. your coworkers, but on a positive note, I'm happy that they're doing a lot better and it sucks to hear about that. And what really frustrates me about the pandemic is that people don't take it serious. You know, mm-hmm. like you hear about all these instances that happen, you see all these things that happen, but people still don't take it serious. You know, they think it's just another flu mm-hmm. but um yeah i mean well, that's a whole different subject we can touch upon let's get into something a little bit more lighter okay okay um to kind of lighten the mood because it's been a heavy conversation for sure so um again let, let's let's talk about something a little bit more lighthearted. so okay. you let it like speak you, you've mentioned in our conversation that you do different trainings and i even mentioned that you even start up your own business of cpr certification what inspired you to do this Hmm. I think I wanted to branch out on my own for quite a bit of time. Um, when it came to training at the facility, I mean, yeah, it's great. It's very enjoyable. I actually really love interacting with, with uh, smart individuals, you know, training them. And, you know, it makes me feel good that, you know, they, they do so wonderful upstairs. It uh, brings a smile to my face. And um, Early on, I mean, I definitely didn't consider myself to be an instructor. I mean, I was always good with speaking with people, but I never really thought I'd be in front of people and, you know, let alone auditoriums, you know, in front of soon-to-be med students and nursing students, you know. I mean, I'd I'd go around to Texas Tech and actually I'd be in the auditorium with 123-plus, let's say, uh, smart-alecky, soon-to-be doctors who uh, think they know better than me. So then I show them how to handle it for reals. So, you know, I chase them out the auditorium. That's always fun. <laughs> for training purposes only, I take no joy in it whatsoever. Yes. Mm-hmm. But what inspired me to do it is just I just wanted to branch out on my own. I wanted to make my own name. Um, and, you know, if you're good at something, go out there and do it better. And um, in this case, yeah, I really love teaching CPR. And uh, it's so far, it's been quite successful for me. Uh, I picked up the name That CPR Guy, as I was telling you earlier, because, well, no one ever remembers the CPR instructor's name. So in this case, I'm just like, hey, we should call up That CPR Guy. And that kind of stuck with me. And I even made my little card that actually says That CPR Guy. I make a joke out of it because, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, it is saving lives, but Mm -hmm. uh, some people really don't take it that serious. So I might as well decided to, you know, carry on with the joke. And now, you know, I I get calls from plenty of, you know, student nurses, med students, anyone who actually needs CPR BLS certification for their for their job employment and such. You know, I'm more than happy. I I take my stuff. 
Uh, I situate myself, obviously, because of what's going on with COVID, we have to be as safe as possible. So there are new additions. I mean, we just got the 2020 guidelines on how to handle situations with with COVID and with, you know, uh, doing mouth to mouth, which is actually uh, being advised not to do so at the moment. Mm-hmm. So just fair warning to everyone, hands only CPR. Okay. That's, that's your freebie. You guys pay me later. <laughs> well, I'll, uh, I'll have them charge you. I'll, I'll Venmo or cash app or something. Sweet. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll put that in the, the description. Absolutely. Plus I like to make it fun. Uh, I don't know if people are familiar with the office or with other, you know, horrible examples of CPR, but I do try to make my training fun. I mean, I actually, um, I, I'm actually quite inspired by, uh, Mr. Dwight Schrute. Um, that actually has made me do things in the past before. And then of course, in terms of the marketing aspect of it, uh, uh well, you've seen it yourself, mm-hmm. Anthony, that I actually uh, make videos with my CPR mannequins. I know that sounds creepy. It does sound creepy, but it's for a reason, you know, I want to bring some more awareness to, you know, what I'm doing, why it's important and such. So, you know, whether it's just a baby mannequin jumping off the top shelf and hitting another mannequin while there's wrestling sounds in the background or, um, recreating that, uh, that crazy video that's been coming up throughout this uh, COVID pandemic area as uh, those eight gentlemen carrying and dance. Oh, it's the dancing pallbearers. Oh, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. yeah. I recreated that with a Lysol spray bottle and a couple of baby mannequins. I remember that. <laughs> and I also, I actually also watch the, I always, always put on the video from the office where they're trying to teach them CPR with the staying alive music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's actually a playlist called songs to do CPR to. Really? Spotify. Oh yeah. 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 I tell them to do it all the time. Oh. You can you literally do it to, you know, the BG staying alive to the Macarena to, oh, yeah. uh, if you want to, uh, ironically, another one bites the dust by queen, but I don't recommend that one. Yeah. That, I mean, no, no, don't. It's, yeah, got, don't. it's got innuendo in there. It does. It does. It's uh, talking about dust. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a horrible joke. I'm sorry. I work in psych too long. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Um, so you, you touched upon uh, the idea that you do these videos, that you, you create these this content through your Instagram page and through your social media accounts. Like you make these silly, silly videos. You do food, food, food reviews. You do uh, just random uh, meme worthy type content. You do just hilarious content. Where does all this, like, where do all these ideas come from? Cause I've even been a part of some of these videos as well. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Actually, we had one outside of Peter Piper. Ah. Yeah, I remember one one time we went to go eat. Uh, I think it was somewhere on the west side. I remember that. We went to go eat somewhere on the west side. And there was like this one of those cricket mobiles there. And then they had one of those inflatable balloons. And you're like, hey, record me, record me. And then so I just remember that you just like are, are waving your hands up in the air. Like one of those waving um, inflatable. Like the arm waving inflatable tube, man. Yes. And you were imitating that. And uh, you're like, just record me, just record me. Okay, I got Mm -hmm. you. And I I mean, that's not the first time I've had to do that. I think there's been like at least five instances where I've had to record um, your your stuff for your content. And uh, yeah. Well, as far as that goes, um, I'm not normal. I think that's the first thing that everyone needs to understand. I am definitely not normal. I am a strange, strange man. And... 
the way that I kind of go through life is simple. I just want to make people smile. Um, when it comes to inspiration in terms of those videos, I can literally just, I can be staring down the hallway and my mind wanders into a movie reference that I once saw or a quote or even a, uh, listening to music alone. Okay, I can sit down and, you know, if you throw on a random music video or just like throw, put on some music on, I'll probably start thinking about what I can use it for in terms of video reference. Um, I guess I just kind of have an open imagination to that. Um, I've still refrained from doing TikTok. I find it to be the most evil app on the planet. But um, I've gotten some people that keep telling me, like, man, you need to get a TikTok. You need to get out there and get famous. I'm actually terrified to get famous. I just like making videos to make people laugh. And, you know, it's usually just the people that I know, whether it's coworkers, whether it's good friends from college, whether it's just family members. I just think it's the funnest thing to do in the world is to you know brighten people's day so i make random videos whether it's a food review or it's um making a whole big deal out of something random whether it's singing karaoke in the bathroom um <laughs> yes. yeah i do that quite often sorry guys um whether it's referencing the holidays making fun of the holidays uh whether it's pranking my coworkers, um i have a clerk that i torment on a regular basis, not torment, you know, very badly. Cause you know, I still feed them. I still take care of them. I still make sure they get days off and such. But if you're going to work in my department, you have to deal with me scaring the living daylight out of you. And part of my language, I'm just going to scare the shit out of you. It's so much fun. I round the corner. I bang on the wall. I desecrate your office. <laughs> and by desecrate, you actually mean like you, like uh, for let's say like for example if it's their birthday or something like that you'll put like their face all over their office or you'll put like ribbons and all these different things like that i, I like in those videos that you see that's definitely one of the highlights i did uh i had a clerk once and uh, just to be clear i've had three clerks none related to them okay they've all left on their own fruition okay it wasn't because of me but i want to make that clear Okay. Okay. They've gotten better job opportunities. They're going to the nursing programs. You know, the clerk position is, it's a transition phase. Okay. So I usually only have them for about a year. Okay. So just make that clear. And secondly, that uh, I had a clerk at that point in time. Her name was Clara and uh, she's small and she always, you know, she, always, she didn't really pick on me. It was just fun to pick on her because she's quiet. So it was fun to get a reaction out of her because every now and then it'd be like a little angry huff or a squeak. But this one time I found a picture of Pikachu that shocked Pikachu meme and uh, I put her face on it. And I thought it was kind of cool because she was out for training for a day or two out in Austin. So I decided to congratulate her by posting uh, 200 copies of that Gladachu all over her office, up and down. I decorated it with brown and yellow ribbon paper, and I said, congratulations. So when she walked in, she came up to 200 pictures of herself as a Pikachu. I mean, there is heart and, like, some enduring moment to it, you know? Absolutely. It's because I care. Yeah. Now, now pick up your office. <laughs> I never clean up my, my pranks. That's another thing. <laughs> I've done it where, um, oh, this is a good one. Um, let's see what, oh, I have, okay, this one's kind of bad. Um, I put a picture of the grudge girl under one of my clerk's desk. I remember that, that you put that on your Instagram. That was a good one. That was uh, very fun. Or um, I made a, con a confetti drop, which is, it was just um, 
uh, hole punch papers all mm-hmm. over the place. Yeah. I filled up the room entirely with balloons at one point. Um, I, I got a lot of my inspiration from the office. I'll have to say that those uh, Dwight Jim pranks. I never put any staplers in Jello, but I did hang it upside. Oh, I put all her stuff on the ceiling. That was fun. I didn't record that one. <laughs> These are interesting. These are interesting. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, what I found really cool is like how you, like, no joke, these videos for me, like, especially when I'm away in College Station, um, I use these videos as a way to keep in touch with you. You know, um, you put up a lot of like funny little videos that you find on the internet and you make a whole little, um, mini series for the day type of thing too where you you do like these um you get a series or collection of videos and then Mm -hmm. you kind of create like a little story out of it or a narrative out of them and and string them together and i use that as a honestly those things are keep me sane like they brighten up my day and they put a smile on my face they really do and i've told you that multiple times before too Mm -hmm. that they do and some of them are like outrageous and 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 just the stuff that they do are just like yeah i can't believe it you know i'm in disbelief sometimes because i'm just like i can't believe people are doing this type of thing you know but 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 even then i can't help but laugh because it's just like oh my gosh it's so crazy but it's it's funny Mm -hmm. but um what makes it even funnier is the narrative you create behind these different videos they they have nothing to do with each other by the way they're just different videos from different sources that you find all over the internet and um you just kind of string it together yes um yeah i um when when it comes to those videos um yes uh, you were right i pick random videos i'm actually constantly searching you know up and down the interweb to find odd interesting intriguing you know sometimes you know very cute sometimes kind of gross sometimes very just uh wtf moments that you're just like what is that and they're not your typical videos i'm you know again i'm into my own horn again but yeah i definitely look for videos that people have not seen or you know and then i still have a throwback thursday or something like that but uh it's usually about 10 to 15 videos at least three or four times a week because i get tired (laughs) i get tired of searching plus I'm, I also get tired of people telling me like, Manny, do you even work? And I'm just like, yeah, I just, I'm really good at just using my time wisely to find random videos to entertain people. Mm-hmm. I think it's fun. And yeah, you, uh, the narrative is just something I started doing um, at random and people started like giving me good feedback from it. They're just like, Hey, you know what? I, I love that. You know, you kind of like narrate throughout this little story of just random videos. I mean, and, you're not the only one that actually has like told me like, dude, like I, I wait for the many videos to come up. I wait, I wait to see whether or not it's hello. Cause, cause usually I just start off the videos with hello, hi, ciao, uh, bonjourno or something like that. Just do different variations of hi in different languages or just like sup or I miss us. Hello. And, uh, and then I just start going through it. Sometimes it's very motivational. Sometimes it's just like, going through your day kind of thing, uh, life stressing you out, hanging there kind of kitty, but it's a terrible video of somebody just like falling off a skateboard and going into the wall or something. Sometimes it's people scaring themselves. Sometimes it's weird animations that I find or uh, mashups of one animation to another. 
I think the most recent one that I saw was um, the Lord of the Rings and uh, Frodo's confused and he's trying to get people to like, I, I, I will take the ring to Mordor and everyone turns around and they're all Ugandan, Ugandan knuckles. I don't know if anyone is in reference to that meme itself. It was like, but you do not know the way. And I'm just like, Ugandan knuckles is one of my favorite memes. I don't even know where it came from. It just randomly showed up, but it's so cool. I don't know why I like it. I remember that you posted that like a day or two ago. I thought that was hilarious. Like, well, I remember there was there was one day that every every single video that you posted that one day, I couldn't stop laughing. I saw those videos back to back to back at least like five times because I just was like I was laughing. I was show, I was still I was in town at that time too, and so I was showing it to my mom and to my aunt Viv, and they couldn't stop laughing either. It's just like the narrative behind it, and then. Just the how everything kind of connected and was edited together. It was just it was hilarious and brilliant. It was awesome, and so I love how you use your creativity for humor and to bring joy to people's lives, especially in a time right now when we all need it. Quality content. That's what I try to do. Um, <laughs> yeah. I I will I will feed through like thousands of videos for you and grateful savages. I'm not just playing. No. No, no, I I. I, I I, I, I purposely search for the ones that I think like, oh, this is a winner. This is a winner. Sometimes, you know, some are winners, some are losers, but I really do try to give you guys the best I can give each time because I, I got to live up to the hype. People are just like, this dude's story is the best. I'm just like, thanks. That actually makes me really, really smile. And like, that's why I keep doing it because people say like, dude, like I could not have gotten through this sanity without it. Um, maybe something tragic happens and maybe I don't post that day or maybe something horrible, the news came up and maybe I don't post that day, but I'll be sure to come back the next day, um, you know, to bring us back, you know, to reality one, you know, we should always be aware of it. We shouldn't be trying to drown it out, but you know, it's good to look at the lighthearted side of humanity because mm-hmm. if not, we are all going to go to my work. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I mean, we, we got to have an optimistic side to life for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, most definitely, we really do. Um, so with the the type of content that you do do, do you ever see yourself wanting to explore other avenues, like maybe do something in long form, maybe like a mini film or something like that? That's really good. Yes, um, I've actually like written scripts before. I've written short stories before, and I don't know what's stopping me. Unfortunately. It's always, I'll get it tomorrow, I'll get it today. And that is definitely a horrible, horrible way to look at it, things. I'm aware of it. I'm working on it a lot better. I think one of the first things that I did to kind of get me myself over that hump was just starting up the CPR guy business. Uh, that's definitely one thing. And like I said, I'm still timid to uh, transferring or transitioning over to TikTok because I don't want to just be that TikTok guy or I want to be like that. Plus, the internet's scary. People are mean. Yeah. And I don't like that. <laughs> I'm sensitive sometimes. No, because I'm honestly, not. I think if you were to do, I'm, I think you would be great for a YouTube channel. Like seriously, if you would put like a mini collection of your work and I, it's like I told you once before, I think you should do a business. Like I, I think you should start up a business where you create content for other businesses using your sense of humor. I did it for one of the bars that I worked at for the longest time at like Hope and Anchor and stuff like that. Yeah. That was all like on the free side. Uh, I'm totally, totally overutilized and underpaid. My goodness. 
because um you, you just recently put up a video where you're reviewing a red velvet oreo and um the way that you did that i swore i i swear i've seen that video at least 15 to 20 times because i every time i see it it just puts a smile and makes me laugh so much it's simple it's you just like like enjoying the oreo and like 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 breaking it apart and like like enjoying it and everything right in your own mani-esque way right and then you add like these noise effects to it and music and everything to it and it's um i was amazing it was brilliant i honestly think that 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 your talent with the way that you come up with these videos and your creative intelligence that you really have can be used to do something so cool dude and i was just like i was like i'm like dude you should do something with this you should do something with and i just get excited for you dude like these videos are so cool and um ah man i i I just I, i can't wait to see when you do do something big dude because i think it's so cool what you do and the content that you make. It's really fun. And I know that you and I have always talked about maybe collaborating together and doing something. And I hope one day we still get to do that. Yes. Oh man, you know, that will always be fun. I'm more than happy to collaborate with you anytime. I mean, it's fun just doing this alone. This is a collaboration to me. We've been talking about this forever. So I'm very, very happy that we finally decided to actually sit down and do this. It's so much fun. I'm having a great time right now, actually. Yeah. Um, just in case anyone was uh, wanting to know what that noise was at the end of the red velvet Oreo taste testing and his, the manyisms that he's referring to is that um, when I eat, I tend to be a little bit more explicit in my expressions. So I will slowly open up the cookie and I will lick the side while looking at the camera. I'll turn and twist. Um, I'll look around the Oreo. Uh, I'll sniff it. I'll get a little bit closer. I'll position it in a certain way and then I'll gobble it up. Um, the noise at the end of it. Okay. So these red velvet cakes are Korean red velvet Oreos and I got them at the Asian market. So the wheels started turning in my head that I should make this to some degree, something to do with anime, but not the traditional anime as more of the degenerative version of anime. So what it did is once I ate the cookie near the end of it, it made me speak with a high pitched voice in a different language and it may have come off as a little bit more explicit than i liked but i was shocked that this noise was coming out of my mouth i edited it out that you know um as soon as i opened up my mouth this little woman's voice came out right so then i slapped my mouth shut and i opened it again and then it just made this what some people would refer to as a moan so i closed my mouth and i stopped that was the end of the video okay so yeah and then another one that that's similar to that I remember that you did was for this canned water called Liquid Death that you, that you opened it up and then you drank it and then all of a sudden you open your mouth and then heavy metal music comes out of it and even the 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 their Instagram page even shared it on their page as well. They liked it. They they were so hyped up about that. I was like, dude, that was great. I'm just like, I'm very very happy with that. So yeah, maybe the way to go is doing that. <laughs> Yeah, it's like little shout outs like that. I think it's cool. I'm going to keep doing shout outs until they start sponsoring me. Let's see, what's a good quality product to sponsor? I mean, hey, you can't go wrong with Oreos. That's true. I don't think Oreos going to back my promotion, though. Yeah, I don't think my dog will back <laughs> your promotion. <laughs> I'm oh. sorry. 
I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm sorry. I'm Oreos too. <laughs> but um, you know, uh, I think your your videos are hilarious and they're great. And if you're not following Manny, you all should be sure to follow Manny. His stuff is is hilarious and um, it's great content. And I'll, I'll put all that information in the description. Sweet. Um, <laughs> but um. I'm trying to think what what else. I mean, we haven't talked in such a long time. I mean, mm-hmm. we could talk about anything, but I feel like our conversation has really gone like full circle from going from our art school days to mm-hmm. what you're doing right now and with your mental health. And we talked about media for a bit to your CPR gig and back to media again with the content you create. I think that was an awesome a full circle conversation that we had. And yeah. maybe we should end there and we can always do a part two all um sometime down in the future i'm down for that that actually sounds like a lot of fun and we can totally have a different conversation about something else you can do like a show and tell too or something like that i wouldn't mind having your reactions and seeing what you're saying i'd love to leave you tongue-tied i I mean you do it often so um not literally maybe i don't know i mean i don't know it is saturday night we get lonely love you buddy I love you too, Manny. Well, with that being said, everyone, with that being said, thanks so much, Manny, for being a guest on Academics on Amigos. And I'm just really proud of the stuff that you're doing, man. And um, you're doing some really great stuff with mental health. And even with the content you're creating that has nothing to do with mental health, but stimulating us in different, yeah, (laughs) stimulating us with positivity and (laughs) laughter and (laughs) happiness and... uh, (laughs) <laughs> and uh great great things so with that being said manny i love you man um thanks for everything you've done for me in this life man and uh thanks for always just bringing joy to me man like you've always been a source of positivity laughter and happiness for me man and i got nothing but love for you you know that i love you buddy you're one of my best friends like forever and always i'm always going to be here for you man um your mom ever needs anything man you know that i'm always around the corner if you're never if you're if you're not around or something like that you are doing absolutely fantastic man you keep going your route you keep going your way you know what doesn't matter what anyone says you just do it your way and i'm i'm really proud of you dude i really am it's all love and i'm proud of you too man and um one day we're gonna get that collaboration on going and whenever we do we'll share that here on academics on amigos and cannot wait to make you uncomfortable and manny will continue to make me uncomfortable and so with that being said everyone take care of yourselves stay strong stay safe and stay healthy peace out peace out special thanks again to manny for being a guest on this week's academics on amigos be sure to follow him on instagram at mm sicko and for more on academics on amigos be sure to check out my website www.arramirez.com slash academics and amigos i have all the episodes listed on there be sure to follow us on social and until next time my friends be cool stay awesome and don't forget stay safe take care